I felt like my country was being taken away from me. I felt like um, I wanted my children to grow up with the same pride in our country and the same love for our country and the same idea that we had this, you know, this idealism, these opportunities in our country and that we had, you know, communities that were filled with dignity and enrichment and that we were an exemplary nation and that um, those things are being lost. That might sound like a Republican, but you'd be mistaken. It's Robert F. Kennedy, and we're looking at his health care policy today on Pulse Check on the Candidates. Welcome to Pulse Check on the Candidates, a new series here on the Flatlining Podcast. I'm Matthew Handley. On this program, we're taking a deep dive into all of the candidates' health care policies. As Ron and I have talked about before on this podcast, American knowledge and understanding of how health care actually works in this country is lacking. That means that when it's time for elections, voters often don't have a good idea of what the consequences are of the healthcare policies that they're voting for. We're looking to help with some of that here on this series. Over the next several months, we'll take a look at all of the Republican and Democratic candidates, and if any third-party or independent candidates make a move into the limelight, we'll talk about them too. Today, we're looking at Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's one of the few Democrats who's decided to mount a primary challenge against President Biden. As the son of former U.S. Attorney General Robert Kennedy and the nephew of the late President John F. Kennedy, he's in a unique position that with his name recognition, he may gain following. Plus, as you'll hear, his strange views on vaccines, fluoride, and COVID-19 may garner him a fair amount of support from conservatives, upset that the 2020 and 2022 elections did not garner the victories over the quote-unquote healthcare establishment that they had hoped for. Before we jump into his healthcare policy, I do want to note Kennedy's voice. Kennedy suffers from spasmodic dysphonia, a movement disorder that affects the larynx. This makes it difficult for him to speak and causes his voice to quaver. Notably, Jeff Pegues at CBS News suffers from the same condition, as does National Public Radio's Diane Rehm and Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine. Now, before I'm accused of being ableist, I am in no way saying that this should or even will affect his chances of becoming president. But as you listen to his speeches, it's something to be aware of. The second thing you might wonder about Kennedy is why he would make a primary challenge against a member of his own party. He was asked that by ABC News' Lindsey Davis, and here's his answer. I've known Joe Biden for 40 years. I, um, you know, he's friends with my family. I've considered him a friend. His approach to government and to the Democratic Party is, to me, is completely um, is different than the way. I don't believe that we should be the party of war. I don't believe that we should be the party of Wall Street. 
I don't believe that we should let neocons uh, dictate our foreign policy, and I don't believe in censorship, for starters. And those are all values that are traditional Democratic Party values that this White House has departed from. The DNC has said, as you're well aware, that they are going to support Biden. They're not going to even hold any primary debates. Do you plan on pushing back on that? Well, I think it's troubling if we don't have debates. I mean, particularly, Lindsay, at this point in history, um, there's so many Americans who believe that our democracy is broken, that the system is rigged against them. And I think it's really you know, incumbent on the Democratic Party to, to act as a template, to make this election a template for democracy and saying, you know, we're gonna have debates, we're gonna have open discussion, we're gonna let the people decide, we're not gonna have party leaders decide who are gonna be our primary like they did in the Soviet Union. Many of his priorities are similar to those touted in the 2020 Democratic primary. For starters, he wants to rein in corporate interests in politics. He says that Wall Street controls the Securities Exchange Commission. He says polluters control the EPA and the Bureau of Land Management. And he says Big Pharma controls the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, and the FDA. When it comes to public health, he lays a lot of the blame on the environment. To Kennedy, the two issues are related. He says that chronic disease is at an all-time high, and environmental factors like polluted air and water are to blame. His critics constantly point out that he rarely cites statistics or studies for those claims, and he discussed that with Michael Smirkanish on CNN. We have a chronic disease epidemic in this country. At a fact, we've gone from 6% of our kids having chronic disease to 54% as, as of 2006. Among those chronic diseases, and we know that they're related, are chemical exposures and pharmaceutical drug exposures. And issues like depression, anorexia, OCD, ADD, ADHD, and all these different neurological injuries. And I think that is the main thing that we need to talk about and that, that I will deal with as president, ending the chronic disease epidemic in this country. And to the people who say, why did you let him say that? Why didn't you confront him with all the data? You would say what? Show me the data. That's what I love. Show me some data. Show me where I got it wrong. Show me where I made a statement that is inaccurate. Show me the scientific study. Comments like those, however, seem tame in comparison to Kennedy's views on vaccines. He's the chairman of the Children's Health Defense, an anti-vaccine advocacy group that alleges that ADHD, food allergies, cancer, and autism are caused by childhood vaccinations. Here he is again with Lindsay Davis on ABC News. You've said in the past that there is a, a correlation between uh, vaccines leading to autism that's totally been debunked. Wait a minute, who debunked it? We oh. have not seen any kind of scientific connection from the CDC, the World Health Organization, but, the but National those Academy of Sciences. are captive agencies, Lindsay. And so you think they're all in cahoots? Yeah, they're all captive. He's remained firm in those beliefs even during the COVID-19 pandemic. On Piers Morgan's YouTube show, he was questioned about his COVID-19 vaccine beliefs. So let's just move quickly, if, if we may, just to this issue of vaccines. If you were to become president, you've been opposed to vaccines now for a long time, very heavily critical of the COVID vaccine. That's not true. Well, you're not, you're not, not, you're not, not, you're not a vaccine oh. denier, but you are a very, very skeptical, very public voice of skepticism about the efficacy of vaccines. Would that be fair? 
What I've said is vaccines, I'm not anti-vaccine. I think vaccines should be subject to the same level of rigorous testing as other medications. And that is the only thing, my only position. Listen, I fought to get mercury out of fish for 40 years yeah. and nobody called me anti-fish. I'm not anti-vaccines just because I want safe vaccines. And I think everybody wants safe vaccines. And as we all now recognize, the COVID vaccines were neither safe nor effective. Well, that is, but that and is, that, 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 but as you know, yeah, hang, on, hang on, hang on. That is, as you know, heavily disputed by a lot of top scientists who say that comparative to other vaccines, it was very safe. Obviously, like all vaccines, it's had issues. Obviously, they had to move at the speed of light because it was a novel virus that was killing a lot of people. But it, it wasn't an unsafe vaccine. But all vaccines, unfortunately, have side effects for a certain percentage of people that take them. Well, the, uh, that, I mean, that, of course, the question, Piers, about the side effects on this vaccine, vaccine number one, they avert more problems than they cause. I would argue that the science is very clear right now that they cause a lot more problems than they averted. And if you look at the countries that did not vaccinate, they had the lowest death rates, they had the lowest COVID and infection rates. And if you look at the Johns Hopkins data, which is the data everybody relies on, there's a direct correlation between excess deaths in nations, in the Western nations, and heavily vaccinated and the level of COVID vaccination. So if you look at excess deaths, how many people, uh, how many people died that shouldn't have died at the end of the year? The vaccine cause is associated because we don't know, we can't say cause because it's a correlation. But the big, the, 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 hot, the, the deaths in the nations that heavily vaccinated, which were much higher than those that didn't. I, I'll give you an example. We in our country, oh. We're the most one of the most heavily vaccinated countries in the world. We also had the highest COVID death rate in the world. So we had we have 4.2 percent of the global population. We have 16 percent of the of the COVID deaths. That's not a success story. How can anybody point well, to that? Listen, and say, I, we, unfortunately, yeah, the vaccines were benefit. Listen, we've run out of time. Uh, I certainly look don't. At, uh, look at yeah, no, listen, I, I've got to end it there. But we do, I definitely don't think America was a success story, and that's a, that's for another time. He's correct that you can't say that there is causation there. But then he assumes there is causation. Several studies in the United States and Europe have demonstrated that there are many factors that lead to higher COVID-19 death rates, including population density, public health, and whether or not certain other precautions were taken. So, despite this... Show me the data. That's what I love. Show me some data. Show me where I got it wrong. Kennedy continues to push COVID-19 conspiracies, even when presented with data that disproves his claims. A report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate claims that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is one of 12 people who are responsible for two-thirds of anti-vaccine content online. That list also includes people like Dr. Joseph Mercola. For this, he's been permanently banned from Instagram, and his organization Children's Health Defense has been removed from Facebook and Instagram. He claims he's being censored because of this. In fact, combating censorship by big tech, shadow bans, and other algorithm suppressions is one of his priorities on his campaign website. Here he is again with Michael Smirkanish. Well, most recently, the you know the networks all censored me, including this network. Um, but most recently, and I think most offensively, the uh, the White House was asking the uh, social media sites to censor me. They were also 
attorney generals, I think 18 uh, or 13 Democratic attorney generals who contacted the social media sites and asked them specifically to censor me. But, you know, we now have, because of the Twitter files and because of these email dumps, we now have clear evidence that there were White House personnel who were ordering the social media companies to censor me, and it had nothing to do with misinformation. In fact, nobody's been able to show a single statement that I've ever met made on my Twitter or any social media that is factually inaccurate. It was because I was dissenting from government policies. And, you know, in this country, we... We built this country so that to allow our citizens to complain about our public officials. And uh, well, that's, Robert, a, to me, a clear violation of the First Amendment. Since we're talking about health care policy on Pulse Check on the candidates, you might be wondering where that is in our program. So other than his views on vaccines and censorship, what is he thinking when it comes to reforming our health care system? Unfortunately, it appears that his healthcare policy is dominated by the idea that all the regulatory bodies are, quote, captive institutions that we simply cannot trust. His campaign website says this, quote, another key aspect of American revitalization is our healthcare system, which consumes nearly one fifth of GDP. It isn't just a matter of shifting the burden of who pays. The problem is much deeper. Healthcare spending per capita has increased 12 fold since 1960. Are we 12 times healthier? Quite the contrary. We face today a terrible pandemic, not of COVID, but of chronic disease. Autoimmunity, allergies, diabetes, obesity, addiction, anxiety, and depression afflict two-thirds of the population, up from a few percent in our grandparents' time. A Kennedy administration will go beyond making existing modalities available to all to include low-cost alternative and holistic therapies that have been marginalized in a pharma-dominated system. We will move from a sick care system to a wellness society. End quote. He doesn't clarify what holistic and alternative therapies are, and he also seems to have a hard time admitting that despite their immense wealth and questionable pricing, the pharmaceutical companies have produced high-quality, safe, and effective medications. Kennedy simply hasn't produced a comprehensive health care policy. In fact, he dismisses the biggest problem most Americans have with our health care system, the cost. Without that, we have to go on what he says about our healthcare institutions and the quote I just read from his campaign website. So what are the consequences of this? Well, we would expect that a Kennedy administration would appoint leaders to the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC that agree with his perspectives on vaccines and COVID-19. Now, if you agree with Kennedy and the Children's Health Defense and you think that their assumptions about those issues are true, then this is great. But physicians should be concerned because most physicians don't agree with their assumptions. With the FDA's authority to approve medications being questioned in the courts, Kennedy's appointments could lead to popular, safe, and effective treatments being restricted or banned from use. Do you remember last year the person writing under a pseudonym claiming to be a physician tried to tell us without evidence that statins were unsafe, ineffective, and just a money-making tool for drug companies and that physicians are in on the gag. I'm concerned that those are the type of people that would be stepping into leadership in the FDA, CDC, or NIH under a Kennedy administration. Without a doubt, pharmaceuticals and vaccines should be scrutinized for safety and efficacy, but no one, including Kennedy and Children's Health Defense, have been able to demonstrate with evidence-based studies 
that vaccines cause autism and that COVID-19 vaccinations cause more deaths or that statins are ineffective. The New York Times called Robert F. Kennedy Jr. a fringe candidate. His platform does include some likable and laudable priorities, such as a clean environment, combating big tech censorship, and global peace. Of course, that all depends on what your political views are. His biggest challenge, though, will be answering to his past statements and his current views on vaccines. Some of the ideas that he promotes are either provably false or cannot be proven one way or the other. For the majority of the American people, I predict that that alone will disqualify him from winning the nomination or the presidency. It is too much of an easy target for an opponent to take advantage of. But it will drag an interesting mishmash of disenfranchised voters together. It will include those who are disappointed in Biden's handling of progressive policies and those who want to tear down the healthcare establishment. Let us know what you think about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the comments at flatlining.net or send us an email, flatlining at substack.com. You can also tweet me. I'm at Radio Handley on Twitter. Your comments may be featured in a future episode. That does it for this first edition of Pulse Check on the Candidates here on the Flatlining Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars and a review. I'm Matthew Handley. Have a good week.